0: check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.
1: Welcome back to episode 30 of The Nth Dimension. One of my favorite people is back in my studio, aka my room, with me in this pandemic, day 241295 of the pandemic. I have with me Nassim, who daylights as a software engineer, but moonlights as Kyle Kalinski. So
0: welcome back, Nassim. This aspiring Kyle Kalinski. <laughs> Thanks for having me on.
1: <laughs> I'm so excited because I don't know of a better person who and I've said this to you many times, I don't know of a better person who has such a critical, independent, like nuanced view of the world, and it's been such a complicated campaign, U.S. campaign, for their 2020 presidential election. So I couldn't think of a better person to have this, like, pre-election wrap-up talk with. So truly appreciate you as you're sitting in Victoria. Before we really jump in, I want to know your thoughts on the whole Rogan, Joe Rogan, Kyle Kalinske, Tim Dillon, who I'll be honest, I don't know who he is comedian apparently and potentially alex jones election coverage what are your thoughts on that
0: yeah it's uh, it's a pretty entertaining lineup i i'll probably watch it are you gonna watch it
1: oh definitely i think (laughs) i was going to watch rising the hill rising with sauger and crystal ball but this just seems way more entertaining
0: yeah, it'll be interesting to see Kyle Klinsky and Alex Jones in the same room.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. big for Kyle, though, right? Like, he's a yeah, public yeah. figure, but and he's been on Joe Rogan, like, twice now. But I think this would just get him so many more viewers and subscribers and all that. This is big for him.
0: Mm. Yeah, it will be. What do what you think do you... of Alex Jones being on?
1: Um, You know what, actually let's let's answer that question so let's answer <laughs> that question also by talking about the fact that he was almost removed or canceled from spotify when uh, joe rogan did his podcast with him but my bad i i know i texted you in the scene saying oh my god alex jones was removed from spotify apparently they're calling it a technical glitch and now that episode is back on oh, but okay. i don't vibe with his views and i literally don't listen to him and I wouldn't want to hang out with him in a room like but he is an individual with his right to his opinions and views of the world and how do I feel about it um on the one hand like sure let's throw another set of opinions into the room on the other hand the big philosophical question of like is it responsible to interact with a person who is so intimate with conspiracy and fake news. I'm conflicted. I'll be honest. I'm conflicted. What, what about like what about you?
0: I feel like he's so far out there, though, that it's almost like I wouldn't really consider him a. a political commentator or anything like that. He's almost more like an unintentional comedian or a <laughs> entertainer or something like that. So if I see like Alex Jones in the lineup, it's kind of like, oh yeah, this is going to be weird and interesting. I don't think anyone comes to it and they're just like, oh yeah, these conspiracies, like QAnon is suddenly making a lot of sense to me or something like that. It's just kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of like what Vice was in the early days or something like that. They'd bring on, like, weird figures. they kind of, like, categorize them in that group of people. (laughs) You make a fair point.
1: I guess that begs the question, like, what's the point of interacting with someone who's so far gone?
0: I guess it's entertaining.
1: Yeah. But apparently Rogan didn't invite him, and he invited himself, so...
0: I saw the clip where they're discussing it. Yeah, I think you said, like, can I stop by or something like that. (laughs)
1: Um, This reminds me, I was, this was, I think, two months ago. I was around the High Park area and I was having ice cream outside, like in a public little, on a public bench. And there was this one guy who looked homeless to me. Maybe he wasn't. And he was listening to something on his phone very loudly. And I could... Uh, hear ISI again and again, uh, the uh, Pakistani equivalent of CIA. And I could okay. hear ISI again and again. And I was like, I need to know what he's listening to. And I was like, wow, this like seemingly homeless person, why is he so interested in ISI? And so I went up to him and I was like, hey, sir, what are you listening to? Like, I'm just curious. And worst decision of my life because he was listening to some <laughs> massive like conspiracy radio. And then he like rambled on about how Justin Trudeau doesn't exist and introduced me to the lizard people conspiracy, which I didn't know about. And now that you mentioned Alex Jones as that kind of individual, I was like, hmm, reminded me of that homeless guy who I would not ever even try to convince of anything. You know know what I'm saying?
0: Does (laughs) Alex Jones believe in lizard people by any chance?
1: I wouldn't be surprised.
0: I need to, yeah, see what his actual, like, core conspiracies are.
1: I That's wouldn't be surprised. That's a
0: interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> that, what is it? That like, all of the establishment figures are shape-shifting lizards or something that,
1: like that? That they're dead and okay. there's someone else in place of them representing, pretending to be them. I was recently <laughs> introduced to it by this ho- seemingly homeless person, so I'm not the best person to comment on it. But one thing that I that I wanted to get your thoughts on, because... I'm not sure if, like, when you look at this lineup, what do you see?
0: What do I see in in terms of what, from what angle?
1: So, okay, when I see this lineup, I see the, I see that there's no woman in it. And also the fact that, okay, this lineup is white men, right? And if they are doing an election coverage, which... Like, Kyle Kalinske is a public political commentator, and I'm not sure if he recognizes himself as a journalist, but I think he definitely upholds those values. Rogan is, um, he doesn't recognize himself as a journalist, but he, you know, clearly has an influence on what people listen to and all that um dylan i believe is a comedian and alex jones is alex jones but anyways these guys are convening to talk about the election and cover it so it is like um, an alternative media platform to watch the elections right so so when i look at this lineup i'm like if you guys are talking about important things and important issues and talking about a very important world event in a in a I would imagine a journalist journalistic style manner then there should be some some other voice in the room that is not white and male mm. what what are your thoughts on that and uh, g- don't get me wrong i also think that Kyle in and by himself is such a nuanced thinker that he like when i watch his show he's asking himself questions that critics would throw at him you know, so I feel like he is, he, he's someone that I definitely trust to welcome different voices, but Rogan has that bad rep of um, embracing the bro culture a bit much.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I that's don't, a good I, question. I guess it'd be good to have diversity of perspective, which they kind of have on the panel. I don't know. Alex Jones is definitely yeah. <laughs> out on the fringe and then...
1: He's just him
0: but do you rogan think in this yeah.
1: like it, like rogan i think did this because he wants to and he has every prerogative to, and he probably just the way i imagine it going was like he probably texted kyle being like hey dude i think we should have an election coverage what do you think do you want to fly down to texas and then hmm. probably did the same thing with dylan so i don't think they were sat back i don't think it was like a meeting or a brainstorming session where they were like hey here's a list of people that we think you should invite and these are going to be the best options i think it was just like on the fly like so i don't know i was just because like crystal is equally competent and she has like great views and stuff and it seems that rogan also thinks of her as a highly capable person with good views and whatnot so i was just like you could have also reached out to crystal but but do you think it's of any like importance or i'm just going deep into it for no reason
0: i feel like rogan's almost a bit not oblivious to it but like to the degree that his podcast is listened to like how successful it is he's if you compare it to for instance like ratings that you know cnn Whatever special event, like town hall event, would get compared to the number of people who just listen to any average Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> like uh, you could probably get considerably more ratings from Joe Rogan. So just how it dwarfs so many other um, like established media figures and and uh, institutions. But I don't think he he doesn't really behave like it. Like his whole thing seems to kind of be. And I, I'm sure this is also partly why it, it has been successful. As for him, is it's just about like, hey, I'm just hanging out with my friends, and we're just kind of shooting the shit, and we don't really take ourselves too seriously. Um, so I'm yeah. guessing he probably looks at it from that lens, and then every now and then he gets some blowback because people are like, oh, look what you, you know, what you said to your massive audience, and he's just like, I'm just hanging out with my friends. <laughs> so I think it's yeah, just
1: fair. Yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate the fact that he has managed to, to keep his podcast and the whole Joe Rogan experience natural and casual and just shooting the shit, as you said. I think that's a huge part of his appeal. I guess it's a good, I think there needs to be a balance between like recognizing that, yeah, I am a role model or that I do have a huge audience and um, also just, Kind of letting the conversation go without be becoming too politically correct, as so many other people have become, and allowing different people with different backgrounds and opinions to come on a show. Um, But, anyways, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it because I looked at that lineup and I was like, interesting. You
0: know, there are. I saw. Sorry, just gonna say I saw on like Reddit, for instance. I think. Uh, I don't know where this originated, but people are calling, uh, made the comparison that Joe Rogan is like the Oprah for dudes. Almost like the like the guy version of The View or something like that to, to some people. <laughs> so oh, That's a good point. So of the I piece. don't know. I guess I look at it through a slightly different lens, but I agree. Obviously you want diversity of perspective on any panel that has, you know, you're talking about the stakes for people across the whole country and different lived experiences and that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I just it's not something that i take so seriously
1: yeah and i guess like the i guess they're also doing an election coverage you know just broadly talking about what states are gonna you know who's gonna win what state and all of that and kyle on his own is just you know he's enough so anyways i, I thought i'd get your thoughts on that but okay so the election is in what like four days are you are you gonna pound the gavel today here Naseem?
0: Oh, I, I forgot my gavel. No excuses. <laughs> I'm so
1: sorry. I can create some sound effects for, for your missing gavel. Do you have that? Can you do that
0: in post? <laughs> Bang.
1: So who do you think's going to sweep America away with the 2020 election?
0: I, I'm, I'll go with the popular consensus. I think it'll probably be Biden. Um, yeah. What about yourself? Do you have a a favorite (laughs) not a favorite or a projection
1: i'll be honest i don't understand the nuances of their state to state as well as yourself and we'll get into that to make a good judgment call but i i'll say what i would have liked to happen or what i think in my opinion would have been a good move for progressives or left um and i and and we've discussed this i personally think that biden winning is not that is is a is is a bigger loss for progressives than it is than it is if trump wins because and maybe this is a super simplistic view and i'd love for you to dissect it but i think that if biden wins it's like hey look trump was an aberration um 2016 was an aberration and we're back on track and everything that we stand for, our center, neo neoliberal corporatist mindset is clearly working. That's why people voted us back in and we can keep going down this road. However, if Trump wins, then it's like a back to back blow to the, to the democratic party. And maybe in a best case scenario, it'll make them, question finally question what went wrong that trump could win twice um however having said that right before we started this i watched um funnily enough coincidentally i was like hey let me watch an episode of rising and the one i ended up watching was crystal balls radar on best case scenario if trump wins and she Mm, posed this yeah and she posed this very hypothesis that Maybe Dems will finally wake up and think about, you know, what they did wrong and she doesn't think that will happen. And she thinks that they will in fact double down harder on um, on their corporate neoliberal silencing dissent voices and all that. So I guess it's too simplistic of you. What, what, are, you, what are you thinking?
0: I kind of agree with with Crystal. I'm thinking that the I don't think these people are the kinds that learn lessons and grow from them in, in that same way. Like you pay people to lie for you, for instance. I don't think those are the kind of people who are going to turn around and be like, you know what, we lost two elections. Now we really realize what people want are progressive politics. They want health care. I think they already know people want health care and that they want decent wages and that they want all these things like that. I don't think that's, you know, what's preventing, like not knowing that is preventing them from actually following through on it or that they think that they can't win the presidency through that. I think it's because the, the incentives they have, the people who they are really beholden to, they want them to enact their interests, right? They want to essentially consolidate power, grow power for certain elite circles and uh, produce wealth for them, I think that's what it ultimately comes down to at the bottom line. So I think regardless of the outcome, I think if if you're hired essentially in the chain of operations to facilitate that, you're still going to be incentivized to behave in a certain way, and if you don't really toe the line, then they'll probably find a way to get rid of you like MSNBC once did when they got rid of a bunch of their more progressive correspondents, for instance, really.
1: Um, when was this? Well, C-
0: Crystal Ball used to be yeah. on MSNBC. Um, and so did... There was, there was a bunch of um, who all essentially went into their own independent media following it, um, where they basically decided to take more of a, I guess, like, establishment uh, line. Um, but anyways, it's just the idea that you can get ejected from trying to... Mm. <laughs>
1: You know, which brings into – this election has thrown up, like, so many existential and, like, moral questions for me, I think. It's been indicative of so many bigger things than just, like, two dudes who have been accused of sexual assault and, like (laughs) – I'm going to ask you that, by the way, because I was thinking about it the other day, like, where did Tara Reid go? And how is it that Mm. no one has questioned both of them to comment on the fact that they have been accused of sexual assault? Anyways, but we'll get into that one later. But one of them has been the role of the media, I think, and how it has not done its duty, you know, and I'm sure, you know, Glenn Greenwald, resigned from the intercept did you hear about that right and there's so many like interesting things that he brought up one being that like you like you said a lot of progressive voices in the media have been silenced if they are going against joe biden right so like i don't understand how America's functioning as a democracy when very few voices are being allowed to talk. Um, it's essentially just like, it's just a power drama. Like it feels like I'm watching, um, what was that show? House of Cards, you know, it feels like, it feels Mm. like this is an entertainment for them that Biden is essentially only running to get his picture up. Um, you know, for, for the rest of eternity in the white house that he won the presidency. I don't feel like he stands for anything more than that or any of them do. Mm -hmm. So like, no matter who wins, America is losing and like, how does, what are your thoughts on that? Like essentially what, what is, what does he, what does Biden even stand for? You know,
0: the presidential election seems to attract a lot of people like that. (laughs) A lot of kind of like hollow careerist, ambitious people who don't really care necessarily about the impact of their work so much as they care about actually occupying those positions of, um, you know, not authority necessarily, but of like luxury of the of status. Um, Like people like Pete Buttigieg or Kamala Harris, who you know will change their opinion on a dime just to suit whatever will help them essentially um, obtain those, the, the, those positions. Um, yeah. So it's, I mean, it's pretty depressing. <laughs> I would say that the United States has never really been much of a democracy. The same thing here in Canada, you know, these processes are not very proportional in their representation and are designed in such a way or preserved in such a way because it benefits the interests of certain people. Um, and yeah, we can get into that more if you want to talk about how broken the electoral college is. Um, that's a pretty yeah. prime can, example.
1: Can, can you actually talk about that? Because I think you are more, you know more about the electoral college system and, uh, and how that is completely um, not representative of what the people actually want. So yes, can you go into that a bit?
0: Yeah, so the electoral college is, um, is not representative very well in, in a few different factors, in a few different ways. So maybe the first and most obvious is the fact that a lot of people think it's electoral votes are um, distributed proportionally based on population. That's only partially true. Um, so like if you were to look at California, for instance, which is the most populated state, they have 55 electoral votes compare it to wyoming who is the least populated state who has three electoral votes you might be inclined to think okay lots of people more votes not a lot of people less votes um but what it obscures what obstacle obfuscates <laughs> is a that, difficult world um, to pronounce yeah <laughs> so i butchered that one is that california <laughs> should actually have 65 votes um 10 more and that wyoming should actually have one vote um So there's a lot of smaller states that would otherwise have one or two votes that are bumped up to three or four, because the way that the electoral votes are distributed is that all of the states start with three votes. You can't have less than three votes. And then from the remaining pool of votes, those are then distributed based on population. So you end up with a lot of smaller states who essentially end up consuming Electoral votes that would have otherwise gone to, to larger states um, So right away immediately you end up with a situation where the vote of one person in Wyoming is equal to the vote of Four Californians for instance in terms of the amount of electoral votes you'll win by winning the state So that's like the first and that's obvious true. problem. It's not very The, the idea is it originally one man one vote right that everyone's mm-hmm. vote should have equal weight It's clearly not facilitated through the Electoral College and then the other really big problem is the fact that the whole thing is centers around winning swing states, right? Because if mm-hmm. you win a state, you win all of the electoral votes of that state. So there's not really a point of winning California more than by more than 51 percent of the vote, right? Like if if you if you were to provide the votes out of California proportionally based on who who voted for what, the Republicans would get around 20 electoral votes out of California. Mm-hmm. Right? But th- the, since it's not that way, there's no reason to try and earn those 20 votes to try and switch any of those Republicans or get better turnout in California or win more in California. The idea is if it's a safe state, you basically ignore it because you know it's always going to go your way. And then the presidential candidates will spend all of their time campaigning in swing states. And also,
1: like, what incentive do politicians have, in this case the Dems, to even work hard to get their votes? Because, like, everyone knows that California always goes blue. So what's the incentive Mm. to even work for anything?
0: There's no incentive, which is why they don't go there. (laughs) They don't go there and they don't go (laughs) to most of the small states either. Some people think the Electoral College exists to protect the interests of the small states. That's not really true, at least in terms of how much attention the presidential candidates pay to small states. Most of the states they will go to are medium to large size states that are swing states.
1: As a politician, even over the course of like four years, why would I work for anything over the course of four years knowing very well that people would vote? If they had a choice between red or blue, they would choose blue. So it's like why? even even yeah. oh, even beyond just the ele- yeah, yeah, just generally even beyond the election campaign. Why would they work hard? Like they have zero intent in incentive because their power is secured.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, what was tr- Trump was famously what was it he said about blue states recently? That they had like the most number of coronavirus deaths or something, didn't seem to think it was a problem or some, something along those lines. Yeah, it definitely skews <laughs> Yeah. attention you're going to pay them.
1: Like I can see why I was, I think I was on Reddit. I can't remember where it was or YouTube. Someone said that Texas right now is a swing state. Am I correct in believing that? It was red, but now it may be a swing state that it may go mm. blue for the first time. So
0: it's um, not a toss-up state, but it's kind of like up for grabs. They think it'll go red, but it's possible it, it could go blue.
1: But going forward in the next few elections, because of the, you know, as boomers fall off and millennials <laughs> become the biggest voting bloc, that it may actually become a blue state going forward. So I see, I would recognize Texas as one of those states where politicians have an incentive like republicans have an incentive to you know promise and deliver because going forward they may not be able to secure that state anymore
0: that's true yeah i think urbanization as well like more people moving into the suburbs or leaving places like california and going to texas also has a big factor just like the any any uh dense urban living area is, is predominantly votes blue and all rural, the rural areas vote red. Um, mm-hmm. So as the trends accelerate where more and more people move to the cities, it also changes uh, like the voting demographics.
1: And do you know if there's any conversation to to change the, the way people vote in the States? Like we have one going in Canada, even though it was promised to us, but it was not delivered.
0: <laughs> yeah, Um it's, it's a lot harder for them because if they wanted to abolish the Electoral College, that would take a constitutional amendment. A constitutional amendment requires like a massive amount of buy-in from different states and senators and congress people, and their country is so partisan, especially on this issue, that it's, like, it's pretty unlikely. So then there are other ways that they want to go about it. Um, one of the more popular ones is called the national popular vote. Um, The idea there is that all of as many states as they want would sign on to an agreement that they would Give all of their electoral votes to the candidate who wins the popular vote So if Biden gets 51% of the vote then all the states who signed on to that compact would say Okay, you get all of the votes out of our state because what so the Constitution mandates this Electoral College approach, but they leave some flexibility up to the states. The states are allowed to decide how to assign their electors. Um, So, if they want to, they can do it based on the popular vote. If they want to, they can do it based on district voting. They they have a bit of flexibility, you know, they could do a winner-take-all or not Mm winner-take-all. It would be proportional. Um, So that's really where lies the flexibility in the Electoral College, which necessitates an agreement across states about how they would um, assign those electors, essentially.
1: Gotcha. So like in the last election, if this were the case, then Hillary Clinton would have won.
0: Um, it depends which approach. Under a few of the models, she would have actually lost worse. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But the, what they ideally want is popular vote across the entire country. Um, they're not at a, a state level necessarily. And then she would have won. Um, so I guess it depends on the particular model to it.
1: The popular vote model seems to be the one human, one vote.
0: Yeah. I mean, proportional systems are always going to be the ones where there's the least amount of votes discarded. Right. Like the idea that like if the Green Party, for instance, in the last election, they got 6.5% of the vote, um, but they only got three seats. If you actually determine how many seats they should have got based on that percentage, they should have 22 seats. So the idea that you vote for a candidate and then you have no representation from that party is not very representative. So more proportional systems... Are always on that idea is that all the votes are counted to the maximum amount, but then there are some trade offs around that. I guess
1: intuitively, there seem to be so many things that would make sense, and they and like if people like you and I who are you know your average Joe, you know, just common average people, Joes. yeah, co- <laughs> common people doing their thing, you know. Intuitively, <laughs> if we can think of these things, it's like I always wonder, like, why can't politicians do it? you know they
0: can they just don't want
1: they just don't want (laughs) to like i am slowly understanding why people in america particularly are so and of course correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like people in america are so prone to conspiracy theories and why they're so like anti-government and why this whole like socialist hate socialism motto, slogan works in America, even though it hasn't really landed well on Joe, because their government is so inept and it is so not for the people. Like, it's quite disgusting, to be honest. Like, what you, what, what is your job then?
0: <laughs> I think a lot of them, too, a lot of Americans know that they're being lied to, but some of them just don't know in, in what particular ways they're being lied to. And so then, then you get into, like, the conspiracy theories and stuff like that. I think it was on Rising, I think Crystal is talking about how um, Americans, just people in general, have a very sophisticated bullshit detection system. So they can tell <laughs> when politicians or whatever figures are being dishonest with them, but they don't always know all of the details to sort out exactly what, where the truth and the lies are. And I think, yeah, a lot of fringe kind of thinking might emerge from that problem.
1: And also, if you're just like, you know, working 12 hours a day, multiple jobs at, I still can't believe their minimum wage is, what, $6, $5 in some states, right?
0: I think the federally mandated one is like 6 or $7, and then states can decide on their own minimum wage on top of that. But some of them don't. Some of them just use the federal level minimum wage. That's disgusting. Like seven bucks <laughs> it's insane. Wow.
1: If I had to work at like the Canadian equivalent of like $8, uh, minimum $8 an hour, I'd cry. <laughs> Worse than that. Yeah, I'd, it's, I'd kill myself. <laughs> it's
0: unlivable,
1: yeah. It's completely I mean, it's unlivable. <laughs> but yeah, more than, you know, more than that, there's obviously that whole other conversation of, like, everyone should be responsible for doing their research and all that and, like, reading up on the person that they're voting for. But if you're working, like, a gazillion jobs just to live, then that's mm. where the media comes in. And the media has been just so unfaithful to... This election, it's crazy. Like I can't in many ways I think that the media is more account should be is more powerful than politicians, and if they fail then that like the media failing the people is worse than politicians failing the people, in my opinion. But anyways, I I wanna circle back to Biden Biden's probable win. How is this a loss to how is this a win and a loss to
0: the progressive movement i think it's not massively different regardless of which of them wins the way i'm thinking about it is the progressive movement is kind of in its infancy right now it's oh kind of and what do you mean by that fragile well it's 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 not a it's a burgeoning movement it still needs to build in It structures needs to create for instance their own kind of alternative Media sources like independent media sources, it needs to win more um, down ballot elections. It kind of it needs to build some momentum. Um, so my thinking is, it, it needs to organize essentially, and it needs to have leaders who are leading the movement. And in order to be able to build up all this infrastructure and kind of nurse it as it grows out of infancy, I think it just needs time and. So the, the main benefit I see from a Joe Biden victory is that they would be less aggressive in trying to dismantle the progressive movement, where I see if really? they started to actually hit some kind of inflection point or a critical growth of the Trump administration would be a lot more aggressive in trying to dismantle it and essentially reverting all that progress. So I kind of look at it from the perspective of they just need to buy some time so that they can build up more of a infrastructure over the next four, maybe eight years, depending how long the Democrats can win the presidency.
1: But it feels like every time either... Biden or Kamala have been? Am I pronouncing her name right? That's how it's pronounced, right? I think there was so. a there was a whole big thing on how know, dare we it. pronounce her name incorrectly. <laughs> my bad. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want to cancel myself.
0: She's <laughs> sure, sure, canceling herself on her own podcast.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna lose all the bots that are coming my I know, way. So many okay. Instagram bots here. <laughs> But every time, like. Someone asked Biden or Kamala, you guys have been called the most liberal politician right now. Like, I, th- I think it was a 60 minutes interview where someone, where the host asked her that, and she
0: goes, Ha 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 ha. Oh, it, they uh, asked her if she's a socialist or something like that.
1: Yeah, and something what about it, what the.
0: It was. And she was like, and like no. Ha ha ha. I'm not, for, I'm not progressive or socialist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she exactly was.
1: <laughs> you know, so. So you were saying that they won't dismantle it. But I guess this I guess the question I ask is maybe like can you clarify what is the progressive movement and isn't it also isn't that movement a threat to the capitalist corporate power structures that the current Democratic Party, or rather most of the current Democratic Party wants to
0: uphold. Yes, yes, it definitely is. <laughs> so they, which is why when Bernie was doing well, they were also, you know, they swept in, they were trying to um, mitigate that situation. They obviously didn't want him to win. Um, but I think, I think the main difference is that, well, if you look at like the Civil Rights Movement, for instance, um, The whole drug war emerged during that time essentially as a means of being able to go in and break up civil rights organizations, to lock up leaders, to kill leaders of the movement. Like if you think of what the civil rights movement would have been like had they not lost all of the leaders in their movement, we would be talking about a considerably different outcome of events potentially, right? Mm -hmm. So they they went in and essentially very aggressively, you know, destroyed all the infrastructure they're building up. That was under, I think, under Nixon. Uh, If I'm getting my history right, probably not. Anyways, I would would argue that the Republicans are a lot more aggressive in, in pursuing that than the Democrats would be. At least, at the very least, the Democrats have put themselves in a position where they have to signal their progressivism. So at least publicly, they have to say like, oh, yes, we are for, you know, BLM, we are for these movements. We, we want to back these policies, Green New Deal, like they have at least wrapped themselves in the language of it. So I feel like on that level, it's harder for them to be as aggressive in, in fighting back against the progressive movement. So, so I think it gives a bit more leeway to the progressive movement to be able to try and develop itself further. That's the that's the main difference I see from it but I agree with you 100% that obviously they rallied the democrats rallied their forces to try and squash it in the primary and you know they would do it again they they obviously don't want to lose out on the kind of i don't know crony system that <laughs> they've put together.
1: Yeah. And maybe this is a stupid question but why do you think it is that Biden chose that Biden chose Kamala as his VP and not Bernie and even last last election like is he that much of a threat you know I to, think so
0: yeah yeah I, th- I, I think it's because they what I heard is they put out like a, um they wanted they they had three candidates they were Choosing between and essentially they just put out a few like feelers to see which one would raise the most money and K- Kamala raised the most money. <laughs> that's how, that's what I heard. They they went by the two. Apparently,
1: I heard on Rising, I think Sagar was mentioning that Biden's presidency has gotten the most amount of dollars from corporate funders than any other campaign. Mm. I I, I want to believe that's what I heard, but that seems kind of contradictory because in the primaries, Biden had very little money right to campaign he wasn't doing that well i imagine
0: they would consolidate around whoever the the nominee is though yeah so that wouldn't surprise me yeah
1: and i guess like one of the questions that i also wanted to ask you was what do you think is behind like this massive massive turnout that's happening apparently they've already they've apparently already surpassed 2016's voter turnout just through just just through just through mail-in ballots and through and they're projecting through early voting they had like they've already surpassed it um but i'm curious like is this such a divisive election like of course it is um but people have really um internalized one of the two factions you know and they must like go and stand up for it i'm just it's been interesting because america has some of the lowest turnout rates in the
0: world Mm -hmm. yeah i guess it's a pretty pivotal moment in their their history and they recognize that and i guess people are also hurting like really really bad right now as a result of the coronavirus pandemic um so uh, like the they were, they were veering on like ha- being in a depression or at least a recession and, and likely still are. So I guess when people are really upset and are desperate, then they'll probably energize turnout to a certain degree
1: just surprised that people still have faith in the electoral system <laughs> like at this point i would have imagined social unrest and i'm surprised that people are like you know what okay if i need to turn up again to vote then let's go you know i'm i'm still surprised people are not dumb man trump hasn't done anything his campaign's been about nothing and biden has been in the system for so long and he's not done anything so i'm just surprised people are even turning up
0: yeah, that's a good point. I'm, I'm pretty surprised too, actually. Go burn
1: the streets. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. It's a whole other debate.
0: Well, that's an interesting debate too. It's, it should should uh, protesters be lighting buildings on fire?
1: That, that's a whole, whole other debate. But one of the things that I really wanted to talk about was how do you think that it is uncouth that neither of them were asked in one of the debates about their sexual assault allegations. Even that if both that of made
0: for a very interesting <laughs> debate,
1: right? Like even if <laughs> both of even if both of them have been accused, why aren't you asking anyhow?
0: They mostly get like softball questions. Okay. <laughs>
1: And I wonder, been, yeah. and I wonder if, if Biden, if Biden hadn't also been accused, if a moderator would have asked Trump that question.
0: Maybe. That's, That's a good question. I mean, they get also hosted by Fox News. They get the other side of it a bit. And I guess he didn't ask Joe Biden. Um, yeah, I wonder, I wonder why they, they don't go there. I guess it, for them it's like the decorum wouldn't be appropriate for. It's not like civil conversation or something like that. And they I don't know, it's too, too. But in uh, the last election, they advertisers asked advertisers or something, did they?
1: In the last election, remember when or the
0: Hollywood Access? Tape yes. Or Yeah. Yeah.
1: Remember he went in the debate where he was standing behind Hillary Clinton that one.
0: Maybe it was like a mutual destruction agreement kind of thing. Like if you both have nuclear weapons and neither side launches them or something like that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's infuriating to know that a movement like Me Too has been politicized. And like now once again, people will think about coming out with their story knowing very well, this is what Mm -hmm. happens. You know what I'm saying? But... I was thinking about this recently, and I was like, "Yeah, okay. So, if two people have been acu- of the same demographic have been accused of sexual assault, then does it make it less atrocious? And is that why you didn't ask them?" But
0: hmm. I feel like it's just more about other interests that they have, like financial interests, advertiser interests, or some maybe something along those lines, or maybe yeah.
1: lost faith in the system (laughs)
0: system.
1: (laughs) yeah that's that's a better place to be in you have pounded the gavel i'm so curious to see who's gonna win on tuesday how are you watching the election with beer pizza coffee tea
0: tea i'll have some Moroccan mint tea what (laughs) about yourself
1: I think uh, my brother and I are going to be watching the election, and we're going to um, be ordering some pizza, I'm not going to lie. It's going to be a party, and definitely watching the Rogan-Kyle election coverage, because that's frankly going to be a bit more interesting than the election. Yeah, <laughs> Nassim, thank you for this conversation. We shall find out on Tuesday. Are you willing to bet high stakes on Biden's victory? Last call.
0: I think so. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I'm pretty confident. But yeah. I don't know. People were in 2016 as well, so maybe we'll be eating my words.
1: <laughs> and it's 2020. It's been a wicked year, so so we'll find out, but it'll be it'll be interesting if Trump wins again. And if he does, my god, it would I would love to know how he manage to make that happen like maybe there's some underground conspiracy
0: brewing to maybe maybe then we'll actually have to believe in conspiracy
1: <laughs> the lizard people exist then we'll have to get in touch with alex jones I'm, yeah. <laughs> anyways Nassim, it was like always a pleasure talking to you thanks so much for joining me on yet another episode of the nth
0: dimension thanks so much
1: And to you folks, thank you so much as always for lending me your time and your ears. I truly, truly appreciate it. But I would love to find out what you are thinking, who you think is going to win, and who you are pounding the gavel for. So let's chat on Twitter and Instagram. I am present under the handle of at underscore dimension. So let's chat there. And the election is tomorrow, you guys. It's tomorrow. After four years and one hard year of campaigning, the moment has arrived truly cannot wait to find out what's going to happen so we will be chatting on the other side till then peace